This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 345. It's funny when you set a vision for yourself and you have just complete clarity on where you're going. It's amazing the speed at which you'll get there faster than you ever thought. Like I applied the, I wanted a thousand units, $50 million of real estate in three years. If I really want it, I'll accomplish it this year. I mean, I'm halfway through the year now and I'm halfway to the goal. Like I could probably accomplish it by the end of the year. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, my friend, my mentor, Mr. David Green. What's up, buddy? AKA your sidekick. Sidekick. That's okay. I don't mind being your sidekick because Bruce Lee started off as a sidekick as well, and he had a pretty good career. So did Robin and Batman, and he he didn't go anywhere, did he? Of course, that's <laughs> of course that's where you take it, but that's okay. No, Robin had a show. He had like a cartoon on uh, on like Cartoon Network. So it's all that you it's obviously all good. don't even remember the name of. So it clearly wasn't that good of a show. But that doesn't matter. What does matter is today we have an awesome episode where we go deep into Brandon Turner's crazy, Wait, brilliant genius mind. Who? who? I don't. I don't know if I'd call that okay. Crazy, I can go with genius. Uh, uh, not that's that, that's not even close. But thank you for that warm introduction. Yeah, that's today's show. That's, it's actually me. That's what sidekicks do. That's what sidekicks do. No, in reality, uh, today's show is actually we are wrapping our show around the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast because Jay and Carol Scott from Bigger Pockets Business actually interviewed me on their show. Uh, but because we talked about real estate like most of the time, because I'm kind of obsessed about it, because we talked about it almost the whole time, I talk about like why I'm building my mobile home park business, why I chose that, why it might not be the best niche in the world, but it doesn't matter why I chose it anyway. We talk about that and so much more. If you're interested in just kind of hearing like, I guess the mindset behind explosive growth, you're going to hear about that today. And a lot of it revolves around this thing, this idea of intention. That's like my word of the year, maybe even word of the decade is intention. That's why we even launched. And in fact, we're like, it's out today. The intention journal from bigger pockets. It's a completely updated brand new real estate journal that has actually been launched today. And just like last year, if you've been listening to the show for a while, last year, we launched it for a limited time and it sold out within like a few weeks. Uh, but we also included a mastermind group with it. We're including the same thing again today. So if you want to be part of a real person, mastermind group with people that are on the same journey as you check out the intention journal biggerpockets.com slash journal you can find it there buy low sell high buy low sell high it's a simple concept right but not necessarily an easy concept right now high interest rates have crushed the real estate market prices are falling and properties are available at a discount which means fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the fundrise flagship funds billion dollar real estate portfolio you can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com slash pockets. Fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. And now I think it's pretty much time to get into the show. Uh, last thing, make sure if you're listening to today's show and you like it on the Biz Bigger Pockets business podcast, make sure you subscribe to their podcast as well. Jay and Carol do an amazing job of interviewing people. In fact, I heard a rumor, a little bird told me that a certain Mr. David Green is going to be on an upcoming show as well. Is that, is that a true rumor that you're going to be on the yeah. show soon? 
That is, they interviewed me and honestly, they have a terrific podcast. You should definitely subscribe to that. Even if you're more into real estate than business, real estate kind of is a business. So business principles will help you with your investing goals. Uh, They got me to talk about things that nobody else ever has. They ask very good questions. Deep, deep. Well, I'm excited to listen to that one. So, but today you don't get to listen to David. You get to listen to them interview me. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Jay, Carol and yours truly. And welcome to the show, Brandon Turner. How you doing today, Brandon? Man, I'm so good to be here. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Carol. This is uh, this is an honor. Ever since episode one, I've been waiting for uh, that day when you invite me on the business show. So I'm pumped. This is great. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. Did you get any surfing in today or lately or what's going yeah. on in your world? Not today. I did go yesterday. And uh the, the waves were amazing. I was not amazing, but the waves were amazing. And I like floundered around for like two hours. It was great. It was Love awesome. It. Yeah. Okay. Brandon, I know that a lot of people who are listening to this already have a pretty good idea of who you are, but some of our listeners may not be familiar with the great Brandon Turner. So <laughs> some people know you as a real estate investor. Some know you as an entrepreneur. Some know you as the face of bigger pockets. Some know you as that really cool guy with the cool beard living in Hawaii, living the dream with his family. Can you take us back and just give us a brief synopsis of what you've done, where you've come from, what you're currently doing? Sure. Wow, that's quite the intro. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm, I, I do all those things. I don't know if cool beard's the right way. I, I think homeless looking beard is probably the better way to describe it. But, <laughs> there's a fine line. <laughs> there's a fine line. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I'm on the other side of that line. But yeah, I got into a real estate early on when I was 21. Uh, before that, my very first business idea, I don't think I've ever even told you guys this. My first business idea before, like when I realized I might be an entrepreneur someday is because I wanted to, I hated Kiss, you get this. I hated the fact that I had to take my car in when I was like 19. I had to take my car in to get the oil changed. And I hated that entire process. I was like, why doesn't somebody just come to my house and change my oil for me? I was like, it's a total, like, I mean, people do it at houses. So why isn't that like a thing? So I started like this business plan. I drew up a logo and all this stuff for a mobile uh, oil change business. And uh, that's all I ever did with it because that was ideas. When you were 19? <laughs> that was when I was 19. Yeah. And I was Check like, it out. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to make an oil change business that goes to people's houses and changes their oil for them. And I'm like, I would pay for that service because I hate going somewhere. And I I had done my own oil myself for, you know, all through high school. And then I went to an apartment complex where I couldn't actually change it in my apartment complex. So anyway, that was kind of a sparked the idea. And I never did anything with it, which obviously speaks to the lesson of like ideas are a dime a dozen. It's what you do with them that matters. Uh, so I never did anything with it. Years later, I found out somebody actually did this. I don't know if they're successful, but I heard the mobile oil change thing was a, a thing. Anyway, so uh, at the time I was like, I was like, that was the first time I had ever thought I could start my own business of any kind. And it, that one didn't work out. Cause honestly, I think the reason why is cause it's just, I wasn't passionate about it. I think that's uh, probably pretty important. So anyway, from there, I decided to eventually I flipped a house. I lived in it. I bought it. Didn't know what I was doing. Fixed it up, sold it, made like 20 grand. And I was like, I'm retired. Like, not quite. But I, I felt like I felt like, like I had made more money. Yes. Yeah, stupid money. Right. So I, uh, I made like 20 grand flipping this house that I lived in. And then I was homeless and had nowhere to move. And I used all the money for a wedding. I got married to. And that was the best, best way to spend that 20 grand, of course. And. Yeah, that, that moved me into, uh, I bought a duplex. I lived in half of it and rented the other half out because I thought, well, I could live cheaper. Today we call that house hacking. Uh, I lived in half of it and 
I was like, I remember the, I remember the day that my tenants walked over. And I feel like every business owner probably has like this moment where like they realize like they're, they're in it. Like they're in the business now. It's like working where like my tenants walked over and they paid me $650 in cash. Cause it was like two houses on one lot. So they walked over and handed me 650 bucks in cash. Now today I don't take rent in cash. That's a horrible idea, but I did then. And I get this 650 and I'm holding it and I'm standing in this driveway looking at it. And I realized my entire mortgage payment was like $600. And I was like, or 620. And I was like, I'm living for free. Like this works, you know, like I was pumped. Light bulb moment. Yeah, that that was a major light bulb moment. Totally sparked something. So is that when, is that when you really were like, let's just, let's just buy more of these or what happened? How'd that whole journey start? Yeah. Like when you just started building more and more. Yeah. Good question. So yes, that is when it started. That's when the rental property side of things started. So I was like, wow, well, if I did this once, could I do it again and again? But I also, the flipping kind of started, you know, obviously that first deal where I made 20 grand on a, on a basically a live in fix up and sell uh, sort of flip. I, I, th- I think some people call that a house hack. Um, yes. Uh, yes. So. There, are, there are a few ways of looking at that. Yes. It's a live in house hack where I actually, I rented the bedrooms. So I lived for free while I was there, sold it, made the 20 grand, moved on. But yeah, this whole thing is such like a, everything I teach today, I can like base back on these like first two experiences, yeah. right? It all comes uh, full circle. It all does. Yeah. So that's when I started flipping houses and that was 2007 when I started flipping houses. And we all remember how great the real estate market was in 2007. So I ended up with these flips that I couldn't sell because for those who don't know, it tanked uh, and you couldn't sell anything back in 07 and 08 very well. So I ended up holding onto a few of them as rentals and just started collecting units. And I, I tell, I say I got into the business of collecting units is what I was trying to do. I just figured if every, every property I bought, every unit, so to speak, every door gave me a certain amount of money. Each one was like this little oil well producing little bits of revenue. It's like having a bunch of those little candy machines, right? That you put the quarter in, like the more you have, the more you make. So every one was a little candy machine on a corner somewhere. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of worked. I ended up at 30 units when I was 27 and I was making about a little over three grand a month in cash flow. And I said, I'm done. I'm retired. And I quit my job. I was working at a bank, quit my job. And I sat on the couch for six months and did nothing. It was great. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And I, I want to talk more about real estate investing, but I know a lot of people in our audience and some who, who probably don't know this, but to many people, you're kind of the face of bigger pockets yeah. right now. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you were brought onto bigger pockets, how that whole thing evolved and, and kind of how you became yeah. synonymous with bigger pockets? Yeah. So that, that's exactly at that point. So I'm sitting there on my couch for like six months doing nothing much of anything. And I'm, I had no job at the point. And I was like, well, this is really boring. Like, what do I, what do I do with myself? So I started writing. I started, well, I remember looking online. I think I even downloaded some like, like ebook from somebody that was like how to make money on the internet. And I was like, that'd be fun to start an internet business. And so I, I started like writing a little bit. I started a blog. It was called real estate in your twenties.com. And I thought, well, maybe I'll be the guy that's in his twenties, like teaching people how to invest in real estate. And that led me to emailing Josh Dorkin. Cause he was, you know, the godfather of real estate websites, bigger pockets. I emailed him and I was like, you know, Hey, I'd love to write for your site. I'm, I'm a volunteer. I know you have a bunch of other volunteer writers, guys like Jay Scott and other people, you know, that are awesome. I'd love to do it. And he never responded. Like just never didn't respond. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, just crickets. And I was like, 
well, shoot, this sucks. So I just never like, anyway, the plan. Yeah, that was a plan. So like four months later, what happened was Josh, like four months later, finally emails me back and was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't see this email. Somehow he got lost. You know, Josh is a big deal and you know, doesn't have time to read all his emails. So he missed that one, but somehow he came across my site. Cause I was just continuing to write and then asked me to come write for him. So I started writing for him. We became friends on Facebook and that led to him writing this post years ago. I should go back and look actually on his Facebook he wrote years, you know, seven years ago now. Hey, I'm thinking, it was something like, hey, I'm thinking about bringing on some help at Bigger Pockets to help edit blog posts. Do you, if you know of anybody, let them, let, you know, let me know. So I, I responded to that thread. I said, did the person have to be in Denver or can they be anybody, anywhere? And he said, let's talk. And so that's how I got on Bigger Pockets is we started having a conversation. And yeah, I mean, I honestly started like the funny, like it started like we had a call for an, an hour and the next day we talked for another hour. And like the next day, talked for like two hours. And then a couple of days later, we talked for like four hours. And after like a month of that, like at some point in there, I became the very first like employee at Bigger Pockets, just editing blog posts. And uh, that's how it, that's how the very beginnings of Brandon at Bigger Pockets happened. Let, let me tell you something. I remember um, the day he was formally, quote unquote, interviewing you. And we had a conversation <laughs> afterwards where I don't know exactly how your conversation with Josh went down, but Josh came back to me and he was like, I think this guy wants equity in the company. I think he wants stock options in the company. I don't know what to do. Should I give him stock <laughs> options in the company? And and I remember for him, this was like a huge step in yeah. the evolution of his business. He finally went from like he was six, seven, eight years into the business. He had hadn't hired any employees. He hadn't given stock options. And so basically both for him and for you, this was kind of like something that kind of sparked what, what bigger pockets was, was eventually going to become. Yeah. Well, you know, have you read the book Traction? Yeah, absolutely. Gene, Gene, Gene Wickman. Okay, so Traction. And then I have not read the follow-up, but uh, uh, Rocket Fuel. But I know like the, the gist, have you read Rocket Fuel? I have not read Rocket Fuel yet. Okay. So my, what my understanding is, oh, nice. Okay. Well, my understanding is that Rocket Fuel is about this one concept in Traction, which was any good business needs to have two people. It's a visionary and a integrator, I think is the two words he uses, right? Yep. The visionary sets the vision on where we're going. The integrator gets the stuff done. Yep. And the reason, like a lot of people think that I started Bigger Pockets, and I clearly didn't. Josh was there seven years before me. And it wasn't even that I like had any, I mean, I literally didn't own a computer a year before that. Like I, I had no skills really at all in anything internet marketing, anything business. I'd never read a business book ever. I had no skills in any of that. What the difference was, was the reason we suddenly had rocket fuel is because Josh was the visionary for seven years by himself. And he was also trying to integrate, do the integrator role. But I came in as the integrator and just started doing stuff. So he's like, we're going to write blog posts. We want to do guest posts across other, other websites on the internet that point back to bigger pockets. Okay. So in the first year I wrote 50 of them, like wow. for different sites, I build relationships. I'd go to conferences. I'd meet people. I just write blog posts. Well today, like we've got hundreds of blog posts I've written across the entire internet that all point to bigger pockets. And so it was again, that, that Josh's vision of this is what we want to do. And that, that, and my integrator role of being able to actually do it, that made the, the, the rocket fuel that made it launch up. So I should tell Gene, what's his name? I need to be a case study for that book. But yeah, yeah that's, that's what happened. Well, and you mentioned, Brayden, you didn't even have a computer before any of that started. And it yeah. sounds like before all of this, you, other than your own personal blog, you were, you were just busy collecting units, right? Yes. So that really, that really was your first foray into internet marketing. Yeah. So how did you make that transition as far as how did you learn how to do it? Did you just like randomly go out there and experiment or did you have a process or how did that, what was your thought process about how to like grow this thing and make it so huge? 
Oh, that's such a, such a good question. I had read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, which I think everybody right. in the world has read. And I remember thinking, like, this just sounds so cool. And that's part of what I, when I was building that real estate in your 20s site, which still exists. I haven't updated it in seven years now, but it's still there. Uh, and it's actually grown since then, which is interesting. Like, there's more people on it today than we were seven years mm-hmm. ago. So uh, I guess that's just the longer you have a website, the more people go to it. So I had read Tim Ferriss's book that led me to listen to a couple of internet marketing podcasts. Like one of them was a smart passive income podcast with Pat Flynn. Yep. Uh, that one was huge for me. I started reading a lot of different people like there, uh, there's a website called Viper chill uh, that I read a ton of Viper chill at the time. I read a ton of like Neil Patel. Uh, he's got a few different blogs out there. Um, I read a lot of that. And then I, I am a huge reader. I read a ton of, so I started reading books on the topic, like just business books in general, but internet marketing stuff. But I'm also a big believer in like, when you learn something, immediately go try it out. So I go put it on real estate and you're something, right? Like, oh, Pat said to do, you know, Pat Flynn said to do a, an, a free ebook. So like I give out a free ebook. And like, I literally even like copied his design because I was so bad at design. I was just like, well, he already did a good design. I'm just going to do the same design. That's actually like the story of my life and everything I pretty much have ever done ever in business is what has somebody else done? I'm just going to pretty much do that. Like I, I never reinvent the wheel hardly ever. I always just find what has already worked for somebody else. And I just use that. For example, if I'm like the other day, I'm putting together this like executive summary for this big real estate thing I'm, I'm doing right now. And rather than like designing this 40 page PowerPoint, I go to uh, what's it called? Uh, graphicriver.net, I think it is. And you can buy PowerPoint presentations that have already been finished. It cost me $15 and I got like 400 slides that are already like beautifully designed. And all I have to do is like copy and paste words in there. Like that is like such an exact, like how my entire life operates and pretty much everything is find somebody else has already done it better. And just copy that. One of my favorite quotes is uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is great. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's how I figure things out. Just testing. That's cool. That's good. And that's, I think that's a good tip for our listeners too, right? Because there's so many of us who we read and we read and we research and you get that whole, you just, it's, you're right on the verge of doing it, but just go out there and do it for crying yeah. out loud. Just, just make that leap and do it. So yeah. OJ, what you got? Yeah. So, okay. So that transitioned you into bigger pockets and you yep. could have probably sat back and focused all your time on doing marketing and, and growth. Uh, you're, you're the VP of growth for bigger pockets and you could have kind of focused on that and and kind of taking a break from real estate, sounds like you were already making a good bit of passive income. Um, you were growing your career, but you didn't sit back. You kept plowing forward with the real estate investing. So where did your real estate investing go after after you joined Bigger Pockets? How did that evolve and change? Yeah, good question. So during during those like the years like where like I was heavily building bigger pockets where I was integrator, which was for the first like call it five years. And we can get to why I moved out of integrator role actually in a second. But during those like first like four or five years where I was just in there doing, doing, doing all day long. And Josh was like leading the vision and leading the team and growing it. I didn't have a ton of time. I worked a lot of hours. Uh, I mean, Josh and I in the beginning, like the first year or two, like we probably worked a hundred hours a week and we had just, uh, it was fun you know, and then that early startup kind of feel of a company. And, and we were just in there grinding away because we had to get it done. So I did very little real estate. Like I'd buy like two or three properties a year. I was flipping a couple. I'd buy a couple of rentals during that time. And my wife at that point was able to quit her job and just manage the property. So she was taking care of that. Uh, I bought a 24 unit apartment complex in there. I ended up selling that a few years later, made some good money on that. And just kind of like 
slowly, like almost like maintained the real estate for a number of years. Like I went from over that course of that time, I went from that 30 units I had when I started bigger pockets to buying the 24 unit and then about a 50 unit and then a few other small ones. So I ended up with about a hundred units. You know, I guess I could say as of today, I have a hundred units uh, a month from now I should have 600 units. And so like I've, I've made that change recently and we can talk about what led to that, but it was, yeah, I just slowly grew my portfolio during that time. And then at some point in there, we hired Scott Trench, who's the current CEO at Bigger Pockets. And what happened was Scott became, he was like the, he's like the best integrator I know. Like the guy just gets stuff done, knows how to lead a team, knows how to get things. He was hired as an operations manager. Well, I think he was hired as financials, but he became operations and very quickly. And so he became an integrator and the team became the integrator. And, and so I kind of moved to more of a visionary role along with Josh, where we were doing the podcast and eventually Josh stepped out of the podcast and my role changed to a lot more visionary stuff and, uh, that led me more time and more ability to jump back into real estate, which is I've done recently. Well, let's talk about that. So you mentioned a, f- a few minutes ago that you went from 100 to 600 units. Um, presumably, yeah. you didn't do that by buying more single family houses or duplexes or, <laughs> or even 20 unit properties. How have you gotten from 100 to 600 units over the last couple of years? Yeah. So the, the short answer is mobile home parks. And it's and we're we're set to close on all of them right now. We have eight mobile home parks under contract wow. right now. Yeah. Eight? Eight of eight them, parks. man. Yeah, eight parks uh, in where, three states. Where are they? Uh, one's in Ohio. Well, two are in Ohio, three are in North Carolina, and three are in Illinois. Wow, all over the place while you're yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah, and I can explain why. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go into, like, a super in-depth, obviously, into, like, why mobile home parks. I chose them. I just, like, the truth is, like, nine months ago, I got to this point where, again, bigger pockets is, like, running. And I'm, like, doing, I'm still there all the time doing podcasts and videos and webinars and stuff. But, like, I had more time to do something. And I had the, and I moved to Hawaii. So I moved to Maui last summer. And I got to that point where like, I could just ease off and just relax and sit back and just coast, I guess, on my, on my laurels. Is that the phrase? Like rest of my laurels coast along. (laughs) And I had to come to the decision of like, not so much like, do I need the real estate? Cause like I could live on the hundred units. I said, slowly pay them off. Uh, even, even right now, like I could probably pay all my bills with just the income coming in on the hundred units. I could pay my bills with that. And in that hundred was a mobile home park in there, by the way. And I'll, I'll bring that back in in a second. Why that's important that I came to this decision where I had to, like, I had to make a decision, I guess for, for week after week after week on the podcast, I'm talking to these real estate investors about what they're doing, talking to business owners, and like I'm giving advice on things like, you know, to especially new investors of like, you just got to go for it and set some goals. And I found myself kind of stagnant, right? Because I didn't need it. And uh, what there's this famous quote, I'm going to butcher it, but basically like the enemy, uh, uh, it's like the enemy of, of good is like complacency. Isn't that it? Or something like that. You know what I'm talking about uh, the enemy of great is good. The enemy of good is yeah. Complacency. Or yeah, something whatever, like that. complacency. yeah. Basically like. I was fine. I was very complacent. Like I, I had enough money coming in. I mean, book sales have skyrocketed uh, over the last couple of years. People seem to buy a lot of bigger pockets books, which has been great for you and I. Yep. And uh, I mean, you, you guys and, and so it's like, what do you do next? What do I do next? And, and I would meet with a lot of other people who had sold businesses and made millions of dollars. And they're asking the same question. What's next? And some of them for years have been asking the question, well, what do I do next? Because at the end of the day, everyone's trying to find like, what is that? Like people want to find what's that next thing? What should I do? Whether it's, you know, Hey, I own this McDonald's. How do Should I expand? Should I buy another location? Or should I just keep the one I have? Or should I add this new product line to my business? And people get stuck. And I know I was stuck in this, like, I don't know what the perfect thing to do is. I don't know what the right thing to do is for a long time. And then finally I realized that that was 
a wrong question. Like the question is not what's the what's the right thing there. It's not like there's a beach out there and somewhere in that beach there's a hidden gem under the sand and I'm out there looking everywhere for it. I'm like, where is it? It's here somewhere. My purpose, my passion, it's here. I got to go find it. For me, it was like I finally realized that like. I can bury whatever I want anywhere. Like, I mean, I, I have the choice on the, on that beach. Like I don't have, I'm not stumbling across something that was predefined for me and I got to find out what, what it is. It's like, I can create it. So I shifted the question in my head from what's the right thing for me to what would be awesome. And like, what would be awesome to have? It doesn't mean it's the right thing. Cause I don't think there is a necessarily right thing. I mean, there's a lot of wrong things. Like I'm not going to go and become a meth addict or something like that, or turn into breaking bad style. But I don't know if there's a right thing that's like been predefined for me. So I said, what would be awesome? What would be cool? And at that time, I read a book called uh, The Vivid Vision by a guy named Cameron Harold called Vivid Vision. It's a short little book. And in there, he makes the point that of you should have a vivid vision for your life, for your business. And that's not like a vision statement. It's not like a mission statement for your work. Like we're going to do this. What it is, is like a three-dimensional deep dive into the future. Like if you could get in a time machine and look three years, he says three years or four years in the future, what does that look like? And so I read this book on a plane. It took me an hour to read it on one plane ride from like, I think it was from like, I don't know, Omaha to uh, Salt Lake City. And then from Salt Lake City to Maui, that entire flight back, I spent the entire thing drafting out my vivid vision. That's awesome. Yeah, that changed everything. Like everything in my life. Yeah. Just looking at what would make it awesome. So can you share with our audience, like some of the process as you were mapping out that, that vivid vision of yours, like how do you go through, how, how do I here, help me, Brandon, how do I figure (laughs) out now what's next for me, but what would be awesome? What are some of those steps I would take internally and to just really kind of tease out those ideas? Yeah. A great question. Uh, so a few years ago, two years ago, I went to Nashville, Tennessee and a, a buddy of mine there, uh, runs a music production company. He's a, he's a big songwriter, has a ton of hit singles, uh, that he's done. His name's Seth Mosley, super legit guy. And he also a real estate investor. That's how we actually got to know each other. But anyway, I went to Nashville and we traded, I went and spoke at his real estate yeah, event. He had like a real estate, uh, he has like a meetup uh, called Music and Money. If you're in Nashville, you should go to it. It's great. And I went to the Music and Money and then I, he traded me, hey, you come out here, I'll pay for your flight and whatever. You speak at my event. And if you come out here, we'll spend a day in my studio. And like, I was like a music guy when I was a kid. Like, I, I mean, I still play guitar. I live music for church and I, I, I love music and writing songs. And this was an opportunity to be in a real like Nashville studio, like, and work with somebody who's got like, who writes songs that you hear on the radio. So anyway, I was, I mean, of course I'm like, I had already booked my flight before I got off the phone call with him. And I went to Nashville and I saw the way his team worked. Like this is like, I mean, I got to do music and it was like the greatest day of my life. And I wrote this song for my daughter, Rosie, which is called Heartbeat. Maybe you guys heard it a while back. I put it on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. And, okay, yeah, so that was that day. and I'm going to do my best to link that in the show notes, because that was Thanks. an absolutely unbelievable. I remember the the minute I heard that I ran to Carol and I said, you have to come hear this. And she's like, oh, oh. that's amazing. Who is that? And I was like, that's Brandon. And she's like, wow. Thanks. But well, spoiler the- alert, make sure every one of you grabs an entire box of tissues before <laughs> you listen to the song because it hits you right here. It's oh, amazing. It's so amazing. Well, thank anyway. you. Anyway. Thank you. Well, okay. anyway, so that was the day, right? So, I mean, like I got to record in the studio, but what really I came across, like came out with, with that in that time was seeing how his team worked. And what I mean by that is he had like four or five people working there. They showed up kind of when they wanted, they kind of went home when they wanted, but they all worked all day long and, and, and more. They hung out at night afterwards going out for drinks. They like, they 
all had like the, these, I mean, these people are world class at what they do. Everybody was just like a rock star, what they did. And I saw this and I was so inspired by it at the time. And it made it like, I mean, still to this day, I talk about all the time, how impacted, like how much of an impact that had on me. And I thought that would be cool. Like, what if I had a team of people? So I started from that end, from the, you know, start with the end in mind, right? I said, what would it be like to have that, like a a team of people that I just loved and I wanted to do life with, you know, like to a large degree and hang out with every day? Not because I had to go hang out with these coworkers, but what would it be like to have a, a life where I could like do work and do meaningful work with like rock stars. And I started from there and I worked backwards. So that's the recommendation to have is again, think like, cool. think in your past, like what was, what just inspires you to be like, I want that. And then yeah. I could work backwards. So I said, what does that look like? And so on this plane ride, that's what I did. I said, well, what would it look like? I would need to have four or five people. Okay. So what would they all be doing? Well, I mean, what if I had a, what if I had like an acquisitions manager who's in charge of buying deals full time? And what if I had somebody who was just in charge of managing the pro, like managing the, the, the property manager. So like an asset manager. Okay. What if I, I would also then need, oh, by the way, this also, let me caveat here. I had, at the time we interviewed Tim Ferriss on our podcast and he, he says this thing often and he often, and he said it on our show as well is start asking, what if it was easy? Like, what if it were easy? So I'm like, well, what would it look like to have a big real estate business with five, five people? And it was easy. So that's where these roles came from. It was like, well, I don't want to handle the, the, the finding the deals. I'm not going to handle uh, managing the properties afterwards. I'm not going to manage the money. I'm going to need an investor relations person raising money. I don't want to handle, you know, the actual like dealings of the team, like all the, the ir- irritating things. So I need an operations manager. And then like all the little stuff in my life, I'm going to need an executive assistant. Well, there's four or five people right there. Right. And so I work backwards from that. And like, I can actually like, for those watching on video, I can, I'll just turn on my camera real quick and show you. This is what my vivid vision ended up looking like. It's kind of hard to see here, but what it is, it's a giant poster. And so Uh there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, My my friend, Seth, who owns a music company, he did a vivid vision and he made his a trifold pamphlet. Like you open up in threefold and it was like, welcome to, you know, full circle music. And it was the year 2021. And here's what we are. And here's what we do. And that was his creative way of doing it. And I love the pamphlet and other people do just like a, a, a blog post. I've seen that, that style. Some people just like have painted a picture. They don't even have words. They paint a picture. It's like whatever like sparks you creatively. So I did a newspaper article written about my company three years in the future. And it's even, it's called the $50 million surfers. And says how a small team of adventure seeking, uh, adventure seekers built a real estate empire. Hold on, I gotta read this up. Helped millions achieve financial freedom and kept their humanity intact. And I basically then wrote an article, like it starts even like, you know, December 31st, 2021, comma, Maui, Hawaii. Open door capital is a blah, 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 blah. Like, and it's just like an article. Uh, and I go through yeah, everything from like, what do we do? How many units do we have? What does the media say about us? How do we generate leads? Like, how do we feel about the business? How do other people feel about us? What do our employees think? What kind of benefits do they have? I mean, things like, I mean, I could go on all day, but uh, I can even take a picture of you guys. We can put it on the show notes page. You can, I can even show you the entire yeah, thing. I would love cool. that. And I'll tell you, this yeah. is this is so timely. Literally, uh, what was it, Carol? Two hours ago, um, Carol and I were sitting down talking. So uh, a lot of people who listen probably know we moved down to Florida a few months ago and we spent the summer kind of getting settled. Our kids went back to school today. And uh, basically, I walked into Carol's office this morning with kind of this this dilemma that I'm ready to do something big next. And I know Carol's in the same boat. She's ready to do something next. And literally two hours ago, we were talking about 
what is that next thing? How do we figure out that next thing? Because I've had some ideas that just, they, they don't get me excited. The same, same thing you were saying, they didn't get me excited. And I walked out of that two hours ago saying, okay, we'll keep thinking about it. And I love this idea of a vision and creating a vision and actually creating something physical that defines your vision, whether it's an article, whether it's a pamphlet, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's a, uh, a fake biography that kind of, and, yep. and it sounds like a lot of these are what you're doing is it, it's like writing a letter from your future self to, to yes. your today's self. This yep. is where I am three years, five years, 10 years in the future. And just like you were saying, you work backwards from there. It's always, it's working backwards, figure out where you're going to be in three, five, 10 years and just work backwards. Yeah, totally. And it also feels like doing it in that manner almost gives you something tangible where you hold yourself accountable to that. Like you almost owe it to yourself to find the way to get to that so that you are achieving what really, that really awesome thing that matters to you. So with that, how Brandon, like what's the plan to get to be that $50 million surfing real estate company, right? Like how do you, how do we take this big, hairy, audacious goal that you have, you know, mapped out in your amazing newspaper article and how do you take that big thing and break it down into smaller pieces or whatever you do to, to, to actually make a reality? Yeah. Anybody that knows Brandon, either either just by listening to this or through your backstory, I mean, the amount you've achieved is incredible. You've done your hundred units. You've done another several hundred, many hundreds of units of mobile home. You've written best-selling books. You are a the co-host of one of the biggest podcasts in the world. You are basically the face of one of the biggest real estate uh, investing forums and communities in the world. And on top of that, what I, I mean, I'm not to take anything away from you. A lot of people do some amazing things in business. They do a tremendous amount. But on top of that, you've moved to Hawaii. You put your family first. I know that personally and, and people that have, have talked to you, I've seen that you put your family first. You put your wife first. You, you're raising your kids. You're surfing every day. How do you manage your time and optimize your productivity such that you can not just achieve all this, but you can juggle it successfully? Oh yeah. Good questions. All right. So the answer to both those are kind of, I guess I'll kind of say similar stuff. So first of all, once I have like the vision, by the way, includes stuff about personal life as well. So I start from a vision of where I want to be and then I work backwards to, okay, well, in order to have that vision, what does that look like uh, in terms of a goal for year one? Like what do I have to have in year one? And so my goal was to have a hundred more units under contract this year to buy this year. And like I said, I think I'm at 500 right now, which it's funny when you set a vision for yourself and you have just complete clarity on where you're going. It's amazing the speed at which you'll get there faster than you ever thought. Like I applied the I wanted a thousand units, 50 million dollars of real estate in three years. If I really want it, I'll accomplish it this year. I mean, I'm halfway through the year now and I'm halfway to the goal. Like I could probably accomplish it by the end of the year. So. I work backwards from that to have a one year goal to then set 90 day uh, sprints where I'm like, I, I use like this. I have the 90 day journal that we're actually launching, I think today. So I use that to, to take the one year goal down to a 90 day goal. And then from there, uh, it has like a section for like weekly battle plans. So like, what is this week? What am I accomplishing this week? I mean, just this morning, we're recording this on a Monday morning. Uh, this morning was my. I, I do my weekly battle plan every Monday morning. So I go through on like, what, like, what are my three goals that I'm working most towards? And that includes to go to your question, Jay, it includes things about family. Like uh, so many people are good, especially business owners are great at setting goals 
for their business and they're great at saying, we're going to get this, uh, you know, we're hit this benchmark by this date, but they completely ignore setting goals for their family or for their relationships, for their health and fitness. Like they, it's like people feel like you can only choose one thing. And if there's like one message, I think if I can get out to the world is like, you can have it all. Like you really can, like you're not gonna be perfect. You're not gonna be world-class in every single thing that you want to do in life, but you can be pretty good in every area. As long as you're focused and tracking every area that's important to you. But the reason your marriage sucks is because you're not regularly evaluating your marriage. I mean, most likely your kids, you Okay. 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 But you guys, I know you do like you look at your life and you're like, you know, how do we do this better? I mean, my wife and I, every January 1st, we go out together and we do this goal setting retreat, just me and her at the beach, at the beach out in Washington state. And we review last year's goals. We set this year's goals. We do. In fact, two years ago, we set a goal on January 1st. Like, like a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, we set a goal that we were going to someday within five years, we said within five years, we were going to have a home in Hawaii that had an extra unit that people could come and visit us and stay with us. We wrote that down as our five year goal or five year vision. Right. But again, like I said earlier, when you have crystal clarity on a vision, the speed at which you can accomplish that like improves dramatically. And so it took us not eight. I mean, we bought a house six months later in Hawaii, even though we could never. Th- here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like get clarity, like real, real clarity on what you want. And again, it doesn't matter that much what you want. Like there's, you're not stumbling across it. So just pick something that's cool. Get clarity, like real clarity. I mean, my, my vision is like, I don't know, it's probably 2000 words. Like it's long. It's not just like, you know, this is how much money we make. It's, it's everything. And then start working backwards towards it and you'll get it accomplished much faster. So anyway, so I have my, I have my goals. I have things that I like, you know, health and fitness wise. And the truth is like, if you want to improve all those areas, like I said, you can have it in all areas of your life. It doesn't require a tremendous amount of work in any of them. This is like the, the, if I had one like secret to goal accomplishment or like success, it's in that. Let me try to like, you ever read a book? Like, like how long does it take to read a typical book? I've used this analogy a lot, but I'll say it again. Like, are you guys reading anything right now? Like book wise? Uh, I'm reading a book called the alchemist. Okay. I've read that. That's a great book. Good book. Uh, well, let, me, let me actually ask you this question. I'm going to, I'm going to change it. Is there any book you're reading right now that you've been reading for months? Like you just haven't gotten through it. Like you started it six months ago or a year ago. Yeah. About 90% of the books on my bookshelf I've been reading for 10 years. <laughs> okay. Yes. Does it now, if I, if you were to tell somebody I've been reading this book for 10 years, like you are the slowest reader on the planet. I mean, come on, like, like one word a week. But of course the truth is what, what do we do? We pick it up and read for an hour. Yep. We put it down. We don't pick it up again for six months. We pick it up and read for two hours. Yep. It's the same thing as the guy who goes to the gym and he gets to the gym and he, and he lifts weights hardcore for an hour and he's like pushing and pulling and getting swole and then he <laughs> leaves and he comes back two months later and he does it again. Like, so most people, like the reason that we fail to accomplish most things in life is because people put too much space in between the action steps of like, you know, like the reading is just an analogy, but like in anything in life, right? So if you could just shorten that, I call it dead space. If you can shorten that time, you can accomplish so much. It's the fact that we haven't identified what that next step is. And we haven't time blocked that step. And if, if you just do those two things, right, you identify what your most important next step is. M-I-N-S is what I call it. Mins. Identify your mins and then time block it. Put it on your calendar. Identify it and then put it on there. Like you'll get that done. If it's like every day you read for 20 minutes, you can read. What's the I think I've heard the stats like you read 50 books a year if you just read 20 minutes a day. Yep. Right. It's, it's the consistency of doing that cons- of doing that. Over and over and over and over. Identify what your most important next step is 
and then put it on your calendar. And so like, not to sound like I'm turning into a pitch here, but like, that's what this whole journal, like that we're launching today, like that's where we have a spot in there. Like, what is your most important next step for this goal? And the fact is we just don't identify it usually. Like we just don't even, it's probably a five minute task. It's, we just don't do it. Yeah. But I I also think it is, it's also that second part of that equation, Brandon, just like you said, it's the identifying it, but then blocking it in there and not letting anything interrupt it, no matter what that has to be solid in there. Yep. Yeah. And, and so it's fine because my follow-up question was going to be, tell us about some of the tools you use to, to basically capture these goals and, and ensure that you're actually held accountable. And (laughs) you mentioned the journal and you said it's a 90 day journal. Yes. So it's a 90 day journal called the intention journal. Uh, we launched it a year ago, a previous version that was called the 90 days of intention journal. We're just relaunching it now, a brand new version of it called the intention journal. Uh, because technically it's 90 days long, what somebody could use it, you know, if they had a, a 180, we don't want people to be like, well, my goal is going to take a year. So I don't need this journal. E- fine. You can still use the journal. Uh, so we relaunched it. We, we changed a couple of things, made it a little bit better. Uh, I like it 10 times more, but the, the original one was great and I still use it. Uh, but now the new one's being launched. I'm going to switch to that one because it's just got a few things that we were like, oh, you know what would be really cool is to add this in. It's just based on like, really like based on like science, research, psychology, as what actually helps people get things accomplished. So yeah, identifying your mins, uh, I guess, uh, putting on your calendar, there's a spot where we actually, the new edition now has a calendar spot in there, uh, identifying what that is, and then actually getting it done. And Carol, you brought up that really good point of like actually doing it, right? Because here's the funny thing. If you, had a, if you had a call today with, you know, insert politician's name here, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, you know, somebody that you like really like, right? Uh, somebody super, or Bill Gates, right? You had a call with Bill Gates today at four o'clock. Like, would you show up to that call? Of course you would. Like, of who? Course. Yeah, who wouldn't show up to that? Like, Elon Musk wants to come over for coffee today at five o'clock. You gonna be there? <laughs> you drop everything. But then, who's more important in your life for your future, Elon Musk or you? Right? Like, Elon right. Musk is not that important. So why do we? Why would we treat an interview with Elon Musk that much more important? And yet, we treat ourselves, appointments with ourselves, dates with ourselves, with such disregard of oh, it's just Brandon. I don't have to go to this appointment. It's just me. And changing that mindset of this is the most important thing I can do ever is huge. I, I absolutely love that. Can you share with us? And I, again, like you said, I don't want to turn this into a pitch for the 90 day intention journal, but, but this is because we're talking about sure. goals and we're talking about productivity and we're talking about tools that we use to achieve that. Um, yep. I, I want to dig into this a little bit more. So can you give us an idea of like, what are one or two of the business and the personal goals that you're tracking in, in your journal right now? Yeah, sure. So like this morning, I'll even, I'll show you. I got three goals. So I have a spot in in the journal for three goals. And by the way, quick side story. So back January 1st, I started a 90 day sprint. I was doing things on quarters. So January, February, March, my 90 day goal that I set on January 1st was to put one mobile home park under contract and have it at least 50 units. That was my 90 day goal. And uh, the next one was to have a 30, I think it was a 34 inch waist. Uh, and the next one was to spend less than an hour per day on average on my phone. So I tracking. So one of those was a business goal was real estate. One of those was a fitness goal. And one of them was a, I'll call it like family goal, because I knew that the best way for me to be a better husband and a better father was to spend less time on my phone. Uh, because the average person spends four and a half hours a day on their phone. And I knew I was right up there with them. Stop, it's crazy. Stop, stop staring at me, Carol yeah. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel my eyes like shooting laser? <laughs> right now? Yeah. If you, you guys, if you guys don't track that, stuff, man, just tracking it makes you feel like a piece of crap. But then like, you, like what you, what you measure gets changed, right? I don't know. There's a lot of quotes about that, but like what you, what you measure is going to, it's going to change in your life. And so 
uh, once you start measuring and tracking your time. So anyway, those were my three goals originally for my 90 goal. And so every day I'd wake up, I mean, every single day. And I write down like, what time did I wake up? Did I drink water this morning? That's huge, important. Did I do some kind of exercise? Did I, I do like, did I read? Like I, I read uh, something out of a business book something out of like a spiritual book, right? Then I go, here's my gratitude, like I'm grateful for. So I do that every single morning. Then I'd work through, here's what my goals are. And writing down your goals every single day, I think is one of the most important things you can do. So I write down, here's those three goals. Boom, that way it's always top of mind. Because again, it's not that we can't achieve our goals. It's that we let days, weeks, months go by before we focus on them. So like, honestly, like, let me, let me be real here. Like the last week and a half, two weeks, I have not been very good with my journal. I've had people visiting, I was off island, for a little bit and I've not been very consistent. I've gained almost 10 pounds in the last two weeks. Why? Like, I mean, I lost 40 pounds in the past year. I've lost 40 pounds and I've just gained back almost 10 of them in two weeks. Why? Because I took my hand, I took my eyes off the goal. I stopped writing my goal every single morning. So this morning I was like, dang it, I'm getting back into it. Like I got to build that habit again because I was so good for the first like six months of it, right? And that happens. Like even I'm the guy that wrote the journal, it happens. So anyway, I'm going here. Here's where I'm going with that story. Every day I got up and I did this. I reviewed my goals. I identified what is the next thing I got to do? What is my weekly outcome? What do I need to get done this week to be on track for my 90 days, right? What's the most important next step? I put it on my calendar. I get it done. At the end of 90 days, we had not, the goal was to get 50 units under contract. Uh, we ended up getting 300 units under contract. Wow. Uh, and so like completely blew by the goal because I just, once you identify, again, once you have a vision and you have a target that you're hitting and you're cl- you have that clarity, you'll achieve the results you want much faster. So this was so important as having this system, I guess, in my life. Okay. So, so that's a cool system. Yeah. So while we're, while we're on it, let's, uh, let, let's turn this into a little pitch. Cause I think that's okay. Cause, uh, now I'm intrigued. Uh, where, where, <laughs> where, if I want to get the, uh, if I want to get the intention journal that, uh, you and bigger pockets have just launched, can you tell me a little bit more about how I can get it sure. and where I go and what I get? Gladly, gladly. Biggerpockets.com slash journal. It's really simple. Biggerpockets.com slash journal. The new one that's being launched today is uh, super, super high quality. We actually just like up the quality significantly. It costs us a whole lot more money, but we're still signing up for the same price uh, because like I wanted something that was like, so it's got like this leathery, like it's not actual leather, it's vegan, but like leather feeling cover. It's got like ribbons in there. It's got all this cool stuff that we didn't have last time. So it's very, very uh, cool. Uh, you also, there's a bunch of bonuses that come with it. So if you do buy it, for example, you get a, a goal setting class that I'm actually hosting. It's a video that I'm basically hosting on goal setting and a live online uh, productivity masterclass on how I get like basically how to get twice as much done in half the time. But then most importantly, and this is where I think we could, we could go next real quick is, is you actually get access to an accountability group. Uh, So mastermind groups are a huge piece of everything I've ever done successful has been a, because I've been a part of mastermind groups. And I saw that of how like being together with three, four, five, I mean, other people who are also working towards their goals has been so big for me. So we incorporate it. So anybody who gets the journal also gets invited to join a mastermind group of your own with other bigger pockets and people who bought the journal. So you can all have your own goals, but you meet together based on your schedule. Uh, and we just put you together and give you some, uh, I guess some, some guidelines and rules kind of to work your mastermind group. And then it's yours. You can actually do it. And in fact, I think more people last time we launched the journal a year ago, almost more people bought the journal because of the mastermind groups than because of the journal itself. And so if if you don't even want the journal, you just want the mastermind group, 
just get the journal and just join the mastermind group. It's been huge for me is having this group of like, I, I work with two guys right now. We're in a group of three right now. And it's uh, Chris and Seth and these two guys and us, like we meet together at least every other week. Uh, sometimes we try to get a call in every week and just constantly spurring each other on towards, Hey, what do you, you know, what is your goal? What, where are you at on your goal? What are you struggling with? How can we help? Yeah, it's been huge. This whole idea of a mastermind, it's funny because the last year or two, it's, that's, that's the big thing. Everybody's talking about, you got to do a mastermind group and what mastermind groups are you part of and who are you networking with and where are you flying to do your mastermind group? But for those of us that have been in business and real estate investing for a long time, we've been doing this mastermind thing forever. I mean, we all have yeah. those people that we surround yeah. ourselves with. I mean, you and I have been chatting on and off about real estate for the last 10 years, yeah. ever since I found your blog you probably found my blog and you just have those people in your life that you can bounce things off of but formalizing that that relationship and holding each other accountable and making each other define your goals in detail really it takes it to the next level and it really it forces you to to really take action and continue yeah. to take action you know, there was a study done and I, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the Dominican University did this study and it walked people through. They had to set a goal. They grabbed a whole bunch of people and had them set a goal and then had, they broke them into five groups. And I think the first group was like, hey, you just you have a goal. The second group was you have a goal and you wrote it down. The third group was you have a goal, you wrote it down, you wrote out action steps. The fourth one was uh something that you shared it with a friend. And the fifth step was you have your goal. You set, you wrote it down. You wrote down your action steps. Like we've been talking about, you shared it with a friend and you met weekly for accountability. And looking at the chart, like it was like over double, I think it was almost three times. It was like 30% of people who set the goal ended up accomplishing it. And at the end of the chart, it was like 90% who had the full five had accomplished their goal. And so it just shows like, and the biggest one, I mean, by far the biggest one was having that weekly accountability. So setting your goal, writing it down, like being clear on it, you know, having uh, action steps, knowing what your actually process looks like to get it accomplished, having a friend know about it and then getting weekly accountability. You include those five things and it's like, it was like 92% people accomplish their goal because that compared to like 30. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, for, for me, the big one there is having a friend that knows about it because too often we like have this idea and, and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to tell anybody until I get some traction, yep. but what you don't realize, or maybe you do realize it is that you're not going to get the traction until you've told somebody, because that's the thing yeah. that's going to keep you accountable. It's going to keep you and moving forward. On that note, they did. An, I read another study when I was putting this together that said, you know, should you talk about your goals pu uh, publicly? And there's different some some studies have shown that actually like they followed some people who publicly talked about their goals and they severely decreased their chance of accomplishing it. Yet other people show that they increased it. And so this article kind of tried to uh, try to figure out why that is. And here's what they came up with. When you go and post a goal online, like on Facebook and you say, hey, everybody, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 24. What that does is you everybody goes, yeah, you got this, man, you're awesome awesome. And you get that dopamine hit. You get that, like that you get the victory without the pain and your chances of getting accomplish it, accomplishing it decreases. And so because you already won in your head, your subconscious thinks you already accomplished it, even though you didn't, Hey guys, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the next month. And everyone's like, yeah, you got this. You're excited. Like you don't get it. But when you tell one or two people or three people or a small mastermind group, you don't get that dopamine. Like, wow, you're the best you get. Okay. Well, what are you going to do about it? Yep. Like, what's that look like? And that's why telling a small group of trusted people is far more valuable and more important and more likely to get your goal accomplished than telling the world over on Instagram or Facebook. Really cool. Really cool. So 
you mentioned a couple times a week or at least once a week, you'll talk with your mastermind groups. And so you've got that going on. You've got this amazing real estate business that is, it is a freight train. It is just going and going with no end in sight. You're the face of bigger pockets. You are a husband and a father. You have all of these things going on. And I want to know, and I know there are lots of other listeners who want to know also, Brandon, what is a day in your life like? How do you fit all this in? Just walk us through. You get up in the morning. What happens from there? What is a day in the life of Brandon Turner? Good question. Uh, so the last few months have been different than the months previous, but I'll, I'll go through what recently has been. Uh, typically, I get up like 5.30 a.m. The great part about Hawaii is that you get up super early because the birds start chirping. Like they're, and We call it, them alarm clock birds. And it's six hours earlier than where I am, and, yeah, so it's easy yes. to get up early. <laughs> <laughs> like I get up at like, you know, five, let's say five 30 and it's like already like halfway through the day for everyone on the East coast. So, which is great. So I get up early, I get work done. I usually try to, you know, in the first hour, it's like me time. Like Rosie and Heather usually aren't up until about seven, seven 30. So the first hour is me. So I go through my journal every single morning. I drink that cup of water every single morning. Like that became, it became a habit for me because like, you know, we wake up dehydrated every day. So when you immediately rehydrate yourself, everything else goes better. So it just starts with that anchoring that thing. I'm such a big believer in like developing good habits for yourself, which by the way, in the journal, not to, not to revisit that and re, you know, like kill a dead horse. Is that what it's called? Beat a dead horse. Beat a dead horse. But <laughs> yeah, not to beat a dead horse here. On the dead horse. Yeah. But there's actually a, a spot in the journal. It's like a weekly, uh, a uh, daily habit tracker. So like I actually write down like, what are the habits I want to build that should help me accomplish other things in life? So for example, right now I have like a sleep by 10 PM. If I can be asleep by 10 PM, I know that everything else, like a whole lot of other good things will come out of from that. Like the next day I'll wake up early. I'll get more accomplished. I'll be more rested, blah, blah, blah. Going to the gym, uh, reading every single day. Do I do that seven days a week? Uh, do I have meetings with my team two times a week? Like, is that a habit we've built? So anyway, having those habits is important. So I try to make my first hour of the day just very routine, very habit. So again, going through that, uh, I try to do some stretching in the morning, et cetera. Then I go into my sea uh, shed. I built like this office uh, my little work sanctuary studio uh, in my front yard, basically. And I go in there. And usually that's when I knock out bigger pocket stuff. So I'll spend a few hours podcasting or, you know, meeting with people for bigger pockets, writing, uh, making videos, thing like that. Uh, then by like, you know, nine ish in the morning, I'll go inside, eat breakfast with the family and then just usually hang out with them for a few hours. And then in the afternoon, usually meet with Ryan on real estate stuff. And that's when we'll kind of knock out Ryan, by the way, Ryan Murdoch, he's, it was a buddy of mine. He actually brought me that very first mobile home park. And oh, I never brought this back in earlier when I said I was going to that. So I'm a big believer in telling people about your goals. Big believer in that. So like if you have like you have something you want to accomplish, tell some tell people what you're looking for. Not just your goals, but what you're looking for, right? And be specific. Have that clarity. So I I mentioned at a meetup out in New York City when I was speaking, I said I was looking for a mobile home park. If anybody knows of any, let me know. So this guy Ryan Murdoch, who had been on the podcast, the Bigger Pockets podcast, uh, the real estate show, he emailed me and said, Hey, I actually just got an email from a friend of mine who's selling his mobile home park. So Ryan and I bought that park together alongside Mindy Jensen of the money podcast. The three of us joined forces, bought it together. And that's what made me want to buy mobile home parks. Uh, because the one it was again, what would be cool? Well, I really like our mobile home park that worked out really well. And we may, we make a lot of money from it. Let's do that. So again, not that it's the best thing in the world, but find something that you like that works well, that inspires you and say, okay, I'm just going to do that. So that's how that is. So anyway, so then Ryan, when I moved out to Hawaii, I called him and asked him for help for a week. Uh, if you could, I, I was like, 
can I give you a flight out to Hawaii in exchange for helping me move basically? And, uh, he never left. So I'm still trying to get rid of him. But <laughs> no, like, uh, so him and him and his wife Pinky moved in here. And so they live with, they live in the extra, I have like a three unit house. There's three units here. There's one in the back, one down below and one, one up above. So Ryan lives in the back house and then we just work together. And remember I said earlier, like that my vision was to have people that I just loved yeah. and respected that were rock stars I could do life with every single day. I get to experience that because like, I mean, even right now it's just Ryan. Uh, but we brought in an asset manager to run our team, Brian Murray. And Brian wrote the book, uh, Crushing It in Commercial Real Estate. So Brian's our asset manager. He's a rock star. And I get to like do business with him now. So my vision is coming How more and more. That? Yeah. It's completely coming to fruition. It's coming to fruition so because cool. I know where I'm headed. So anyway, so we work in the afternoon usually for a couple hours uh, on random real estate stuff. But Ryan really takes the bulk of that, which is, again, like. I'm trying to set up, what if it was easy? What would it be like to build a $50 million real estate portfolio of mobile home parks? Easy. Like, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. And so again, Ryan does the bulk of that work right now. Anyway, we go to the beach every day, pretty much. I mean, it's hardly a day. We don't make it down to one of the beaches. Maui has more beaches than any other Hawaiian islands. So we spend a lot of time at them. I try to surf a few times a week. Not every day yet, but that's only because I'm a weenie and I'm like, oh, I got to go out and paddle again. My (laughs) arms are sore. But it sounds yeah. it sounds like at some point we're gonna have to have a discussion, maybe another episode on delegation, because it sounds like you've done a really good job of surrounding yourself with people that you can offload a lot of these important tasks to, um, but tasks that again, you're as you said, you're the visionary, you're the guy kind of at the center running it all, and you've been able to offload a lot of these really important tasks to really smart people who kind of uh, allow you to be successful. They're successful too, but you're kind of the face of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a big lesson I learned over the last few years, a business lesson that I, like I used to have to choose between working with, like, I felt like I had to choose between working with people I liked or, you know, the people I really liked a lot and got along with well, and people who were just rock stars at their thing. And for years I chose between the two. I would hire someone I really, really liked, but they just weren't experienced. They didn't have the ability and not that they were bad people, but they, just, they weren't right for the role. And then other times I hired people or worked with people and it doesn't mean I hired them, but maybe at bigger pockets or at other things or contractors, whatever that were awesome at their job. We just didn't get along. We just didn't work together well. And what I realized in Nashville, that's what clicked for me that day in Nashville. When I went there and I flew with my friend, I saw his company working is I saw the like rock stars who got along well. And I realized at that moment, you don't have to choose between the two. You can have both. It's harder to find both. But if you get both, that that fixes a lot of stuff. So yeah, I've been really focused lately on how do I find people that I that I would love to do life with that are also top of their game. And I want both. I don't want to have to ever choose between those two things again. That's great. Okay. So Brandon, before we jump into the final segment of the show, I do have one more question. So I know what you're working on now. I know what you've accomplished and, and your your big, hairy, audacious goal of a $50 million real estate surf company. Uh, real estate <laughs> surf company. Something like that. Call that. Yeah, we can call that. Real estate surf Palm trees, coconuts, yes. whatever it is. Just 50, lifestyle yeah, business that yeah. makes a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything really big other than that on the horizon for you? What else is what's what's the other, if anything, in in your uh sure. in your uh intention journal right now? Yeah. So um 
The real estate thing, I mean, is the big focus right now. I mean, for, for business wise, growing the real estate thing. So I created like a fund, like I have a 506 C fund so I can raise money now officially from accredited investors, which means I can actually legally talk about it on a podcast. So anyway, I have that going. Uh, I mean, that'll be full by the time this episode comes out, but I'll probably do more. I'm sure I'll do more, but I'm excited about that. I was just raising money and helping other people kind of be able to do it. Planning on writing more books. I got like three in, in my head and I've like, I was telling you guys before we recorded, I've got like the covers specked out for new books, uh, real estate books, but I haven't actually written them yet. But again, it goes back to the clarity thing though, right? Like I have like a very clear vision on what the book is going to be and I've outlined it. Now I got to actually do the work of writing down. So I, I deliberately did not put that in my journal this quarter uh, because I'm like, I, I know I'm not going to get to it. So I'm, I'm not even worrying about it. I'll probably add it next quarter. The quarter after it will be, and I will write a book in 90 days. Like that will be my 90 day goal. And I will like my, I will break down to my weekly. Hey, by this week, I need to have this many words written. And today I need it. Like it's really going from vision to 90 day to quarter to whatever. So, uh, that's a big one. And, uh, other than that, just, you know, I got a little baby boy on the way. So, uh, Yay. my wife is pregnant. So yeah. So excited. You know she's going to have yeah. a little brother. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that, but really it's just, it's fleshing out the vision, uh, on where I'm going to. And, and, uh, at the end of the vision, it says that Brandon Turner is a New York times bestselling author. So you heard it here first. I'm going to eventually get that New York times, uh, name. We'll see. That's my goal. That's, That's my vision. Great goal. Yeah. Let me know if you need a co-author on that one. <laughs> okay. I will. <laughs> That's cool. I have to backtrack just a touch. Yeah. Do you think a new little baby Turner will come out with a big, amazing beard? Yes. Yes. Clearly like a baby boy Turner, <laughs> which we still don't have a name for him yet. We, we're trying on different names, but we'll get one eventually. Uh, it's actually a requirement. We'll put him back in if he doesn't have the beard yet and we'll, <laughs> we'll wait until he has one. Yeah. So yeah, I like the priority. Yes. Yes. Sure. Very priority. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, now let's move on to the final segment of the show. It's something that we call the four more, where we're going to ask you four questions. And then after that, we're going to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can find out more about you. Sound good? Sounds good. That oh. sounds awesome. Okay. I am going to take the first question, if that's okay with you, Carol. All right. Brandon Turner, what was your first or your worst job? And what lessons did you take from it that have helped you succeed since then? Mom. First, can I get, can I answer both? Cause they're different. First Absolutely. job was, I, I carried out groceries at a grocery, at a grocery store for my first job. It was pretty good. I mean, it taught me like the value of hard work and customer service. Uh, so I did that for a little while. Worst job I ever had was probably, and I hope my old boss isn't listening to this, but, uh, I worked at a bank for like a year. I had a, like a national bank as like a banker who opened checking accounts and credit cards for people and lines of credit, home equity loans and stuff like that. That was a really, I mean, I gained a lot of experience and I'm really good today with the financing side of things because of it. But man, like the pressure, I mean, you guys have heard about the whole like Wells Fargo drama a few years ago, but like the, these people like were like opening up. I mean, I have 25 checking accounts. Why? Because we were required. We were told if you don't open X amount of checking accounts this week, you're going to lose your job. And so like, I would literally be like, Hey, who wants to check it? Like everybody in the branch would open up checking accounts for each other. Cause we had to have them. Cause there was such pressure to perform. And like we lived, I mean, the town had 3000 people in it. Like I can't really do that much to get people. So anyway, that was a horrible job. I remember like I'd stare at the clock, just watching that minute hand tick by. Right. And like, it was like nine Oh five. And I'm like, Oh, it's just seven hours more, seven hours, 55 minutes more. <laughs> Carol, Carol and I Horrible. used to walk into our local Wells Fargo branch. That's where we always banked. And, uh, there was a woman there and I, I won't, well, it doesn't matter, but I'm not going to mention her name, but literally <laughs> we would walk in every day. She'd just kind of wave us over and just beg us. Will you just open up one account, please. Yeah. It'll help me so much. I already had the paperwork. I already had the paperwork. Yep. Yeah, all you have to do is sign it. Exactly. Yep. 
That's exactly what we had to do, stuff like that as well. And I didn't work for Wells Fargo, but it was another competitor of theirs. And it was just horrible. Like, so, like, like people listen to this show, like some of you guys are, are like still working a job like that. Like I feel for you, like that day, like when Sunday night comes and you just dread going to sleep because you know you got to wake up in the next morning. Like, man, there's so much better out there. Like there's so much better out there. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll take the next question, Brandon. What is an opportunity along the way that you've said no to? And do you think it was the right decision? Oh, wow. That's a, that's an unbelievably good question. Uh, an opportunity I said no to. Hmm. I was okay. So five, four years ago, I had the opportunity to move to Denver. What happened was Josh was starting to scale the team. This is when Scott first came on and we were like, this is like a thing. Like, this is like this, something magical is happening here. And Josh was like, I think you should move to Denver. And I was like, I, I think I should too. And so Heather and I were finally on board. Like we were on board with going and, uh, it was, uh, we, I mean, we were like all four, we were going to sell our house and we, it was like a huge opportunity to move to Denver and be a bigger part of the actual team. Cause those people, a lot of people don't know the inner workings of bigger pockets, but like, I'm like the only guy really who's not in Denver. I mean, there's a couple others now, Kevin here, who's a producer of our podcast. He's out in DC and we have a couple of developers in the, in the, uh, in the UK, but everybody's at the office. Right. And we could see that that was the way it was going. So I said, uh, I was going to move to Denver and then I actually went to this, like, so I'm like a, I was a youth leader at a church, uh, for the last like decade before I moved to Hawaii. And I went to this conference and while I was there, every single speaker who spoke at this event, everyone said the same message. Don't quit where you're at. God has you right where he wants you. And it was like over and over and over and just drilled it. And every, like everybody, and it was, I got home from that and and Heather and I just looked at each other and we're like, like whether or not that was like divine inspiration or saying I shouldn't do it or whether it was just like, because this is a a ministry type conference and they know everybody's dealing with that. I want to quit. But like, we were like, I, we can't go like we're needed here. And because, and I'm, I would say definitely that was the right choice. I mean, I, I love bigger pockets and I love everything about them, but I am not a corporate guy. I am not a nine to five commute kind of a person. And I think I would have been driven crazy and probably wouldn't be here today if I would have had to do that. Instead, I spent another two years at home building up a uh, real estate and moved to Hawaii, which much more suits my personality. So I'm, I think I'm glad I made that choice. If you were meant to be in Denver, you'd be in Denver. You're meant to be. Yeah. In Hawaii. That's what I, yeah. That's what I feel like. I feel right. like, well, so like side note, like when I, when we went to, we actually went to Denver, look for places like that we could live and nothing just felt right. Then we thought, you know, a couple of years later, we went to Hawaii, you know, after this whole thing, came to Oahu, spent three months on Oahu looking everywhere. Nothing felt right. And it wasn't until we flew over to Maui for a couple of days just for a quick weekend trip. And I, Rosie fell asleep in the car and we were driving around and we drove down this highway and I saw a, uh, a open house sign. And because I'm a real estate investor, we like to stop at open houses sometimes. So I, I drove up to this neighborhood and I went to this open house and I stood on, my, on this front lanai, this like porch, we call them lanais in Hawaii. I stood on the lanai and I just looked at the ocean and I was like this incredible ocean view and the pool and this, and I was like, I found it. I found done it's done. done. And like. You are home. Yeah, you are that's home what it was. Right Earlier I said like that with opportunities in business, it's not like you're like uncovering something hidden in the sand. With a home though, I think you are oftentimes. Like it's almost like that home uh-huh. was already mine and it fits. Yeah. So I was meant to live in this home, but I was not meant to move to Denver. That's awesome. So. Love it. Great answer. Okay. Question number three. What's the worst advice that either you've been given or that's popular in our industry, your industry, the real estate industry? And how do you take that advice and turn it around to make it good advice? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to go with follow 
your passion. Uh, and I'm totally stealing this from uh, that book, Deep Work, and So Good They Can't Ignore You, both by Cal Newport. But he makes this point, and I completely agree with him. People are always like, I got to find my passion and then follow it. You know, and so I, I really like baking cookies. So I want to open a bakery because I'm following my passion. But as anybody who's read the E-Myth knows, like that's generally a horrible idea because following your passion tends to make it no longer your passion. Yep. Uh, and so if you, if you completely follow, like just like whatever you like doing, I mean, I really like music, but I don't follow music uh, passionately because I don't think I'd enjoy it much as I was, if I was in the business of it. Uh, I liked politics until I, in college, I did an internship for a person running for a uh, U.S. Senate. They won. Uh, and I never wanted to be in politics again. <laughs> like, so, uh, it's not about following your passion. It's about picking something that makes you feel good and fulfilled doesn't mean it's your biggest passion in the world and then working at it until it becomes like until the work becomes your passion because if you don't love the work involved you'll never accomplish it uh there's that book uh the subtle art of not giving an f where he makes the point in there that we shouldn't look at goals as much as what do we want to accomplish we should say what are we willing what pain are we willing to put up with and so like the people who are in shape are the people who like the pain of working out. The people who are good at real estate are the ones who like the pain of analyzing deals and, and negotiating. And so, yeah, don't necessarily follow your passion, but be diligent in your work so that it be, the work becomes your passion. The pain becomes your passion. Love it. Very cool. Okay, Brandon, what is something that you have splurged on? That was totally worth it. Uh, a multi-million dollar house in Hawaii. <laughs> but here's the truth. Can't argue with here's that. The, here's the backstory. And I've never actually, I don't think I've ever told this on the Bigger Pockets real estate show either, but here's the story of the house. Like it's like a, you know, almost $2 million house. I mean, I make good money, but I, I also recognize we're in the greatest economy in the history of mankind. And that what happens in the econ good economies is that people who make good money, people are buying a lot of books and I, you know, I'm, my real estate's doing really well and the vacancy rates are nothing. So what people do in good times is they then overspend and over splurge and then the economy changes and they lose all that, right? It's like the boom and bust cycle that happens. And so the real estate gurus who were, you know, huge back in 05 lost everything in 07 because they were buying jets and, and fancy houses in Hawaii. And I looked at that and I, I guess I'm self-aware enough to go, I don't want to be that guy again. And so I wasn't going to do it. And the guy who actually convinced me to do it was David Green, my host on the co-host on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Show. And he said, well, let's talk through this. You know, it's three unit property, right? What could you rent the, your house? If you had to move, if you had to come home and the economy changed and you had to just rent out your property, what could you rent the top unit for? What could you rent the bottom unit for? What could you rent the other unit for? And he walked me through that math and, and I, I realized, oh yeah, I'd actually break even, maybe make a little bit of money by owning this property in Hawaii. He's like, okay, so then ask yourself 30 years from now, 20 years from now, a house with an ocean view in Maui, is that going to be worth more or less than the 1.7 you're buying it for? Mm, good point. I'm sure it's going to be worth a whole lot more. So you're telling me, Brennan, that worst case scenario, you have to rent out your property, make money every month in cash flow, go live somewhere else that you get to choose at that point, and then be worth and then that property over the next 20 years gets paid off and is now worth four or five million dollars. That's worst case scenario. And I'm like, worse. that's worse. I'm like, hmm. yeah, you're right. That is kind of worst case scenario, isn't it? <laughs> this is, so, this, this is yeah. your biggest burr ever. Yes, this is a giant burr house hack. Com uh, ev everything combined in one multifamily, also kind of a single family. Yeah, it's it's every real estate strategy I've ever done all combined in one. 
And this property, I will make millions of dollars at if I hold it long enough. And so that's why uh, I don't feel stupid for doing it at the greatest economy ever. Awesome. I didn't go buy a jet. So an amazing splurge worth every last penny. Every last penny. Question number five. Ooh, we've never had a question number five before. Now I'm scared. Tell us a secret. Tell us a Brandon Turner (laughs) secret. Come on, something you've never told anybody ever. Wow, a secret. No, I'm not really going to make you do I, it. No, oh, okay. here you go. no, I'm going to tell one. I'm going to tell one. When I was, and this is going to torment people for life, when I, because now you're going to do, you're going to do it too. That's not just a secret, but it's a funny story. When I was in sixth grade, I had a youth leader at a church tell me, do you ever wash the middle of your back? You can't reach it. <laughs> so the middle of your back never gets washed. And I said, oh my gosh, you're right. I, I think about that. Every time I take a shower every day since sixth grade and I say, how do I wash the middle of my back? And I, I, I just, I think of that story every time. And now everybody listening to this is going to go shoot. Every time you take a story for the re- a shower for the rest of your life, you're going to go, how am I washing the middle of my back? <laughs> that, that's like a Buddhist cone. What's the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> there you go, yeah. 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 You can't, you can't do it. You just, you have a dirty middle back. Sorry. everybody. <laughs> Brandon, that's awesome. Okay, so now that was the that was the five more, or that was that was the five. five. Let's jump into the more. So, for our listeners out there who want to find out more about Brandon Turner or find out where they can contact Brandon Turner, uh, tell us more about where we can get in touch with you. I'm like a 13 year old girl. I'm obsessed with Instagram. So uh, Instagram is Beardy Brandon, Beard with a Y, Brandon. And of course, I'm on Bigger Pockets and I'm on everything else. But uh, Instagram is where my uh, inner 13 year old child comes out. Awesome. And for anybody else out there that didn't catch this earlier, if you want to buy the 90 day intention journal that yes. Bigger Pockets is just coming out with, I think which it, you should. Which you should. It was, yeah. say it again, was it BiggerPockets? BiggerPockets.com slash journal. Yeah, BiggerPockets.com slash journal. Easy enough. Cool. Easy peasy. Brandon, this was absolutely awesome. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. Carol and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's kind of wrap of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, but wrapping it around the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. Uh, I hope you found that helpful. If you did, make sure you check out the show notes of this show, biggerpockets.com slash show 345. Let me know what you think. Uh, talk to me. Let's have a conversation. I'm in those comments, so I respond to them. I read them. Also, if you found this valuable, make sure you share this over on your Facebook or maybe on your Instagram. Uh, tag me at Beardy Brandon or David Green 24 and let us know what you think about kind of this wrap of a podcast today. So anything you want to close with, David? Well, I thought you did a great job on your interview with these guys. I love every time you can kind of pull back the the curtain and see what goes on in someone's mind. It's one thing just to share tactical advice, you know, do A is C, B, but it's another when you can understand the mindset of the person who's doing it, what drives them, what motivates them, because we don't all operate the exact same way, but we can get on the same wavelength as far as the way we think. So thank you very much for sharing a lot of that stuff, Brandon. Well, thank you. And actually, thank you. So I mentioned this in the episode, you guys just heard it, but uh, I would mention how David is actually the one that is ultimately responsible for me, or at least one of the biggest contributors to me being out here in Maui. Like when I was trying to buy that house. And I was like, had all this fear about kind of getting to the next level and taking this big step. It was David here who convinced me to do it. So thank you, David, uh, for expanding my mindset as you always do. You're a good dude. 
Thanks, bro. That's one of the benefits of having a friend is you get to uh, participate in other people's successes. So everybody listening, go find someone and be a friend to them. It feels really good. (laughs) That's awesome, dude. All right. Well, why don't you take us out? All right. This is David for Brandon Crushes Whatever He Puts His Mind To Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.